0: Many agency owners don't begin with the end in mind. Do you? If not, let me be the first to say you're not alone. As we heard from Matt Hines on the show just a few weeks back, it's often, how much do we need to make? Well, more? When will I be able to retire? Not now. If that's you and you answer those sorts of questions in that way, you're not alone and you're really going to enjoy this conversation with a seasoned agency owner, Carl Heisman, founder of Greycott Consultancy. He's had successful exits in his past and now helps other agency owners prepare for acquisition with the end in mind. He shares where to start looking for potential buyers for your agency with a few surprising additions to the typical hit list, how to determine a potential timeline for an exit, the important financial metrics you should be tracking now if you're headed down that path. And toward the end of the conversation, Carl gets into some very practical advice for managing conversations internally when you've decided to pursue a relationship with what he recommends calling a growth partner rather than simply an investor or a buyer of the agency. I'll let you hear from him why that phrasing in particular matters in just a bit. To kick things off for now, let's hear from Carl as he recaps a conversation he had with a potential investor for his agency after a dinner meeting between them and his business partner seemed to have gone really well.
1: At the early stage of me deciding to sell my agency, so I was 10 years into running my agency. I've had a number of approaches in the past and ignored them. And this was kind of the fir- my first date, I guess, with a potential investor. And I took my junior partner with me and I thought the meeting went incredibly well. The, uh, I got some feedback afterwards with by the, uh, one of the buyer, potential buyers. And he said to me, I really enjoyed our meeting. I thought you, the agency, I like the brand. I like your client list. I like the numbers. I like you. He said that there was something rather strange going on, uh, with you and. Or or a dynamic between you and your business partner. And, um, he said, I don't want to be your marriage guidance counselors. So basically, yeah, I'm not going to proceed at this time. (laughs) And it was a rather strange sort of uh, feedback as I thought it got, gone incredibly well. But clearly my business partner's body language was very negative. He didn't say anything that I could hear that suggested there was a problem, but clearly I was looking, I was looking for, you know, over the table at the buyers and I wasn't looking to my side at my, my junior partner, but clearly he wasn't interested in selling and clearly the body
0: language said everything. Oh man, that must have been just kind of caught you off guard in that conversation thinking, man, this is really kind of my first interaction, uh, so to speak, as you mentioned your first date of uh, tr- going to sell a business, going to sell the agency. I want to get into Carl, some of the things that you have since learned as you've had your own successes. And now you're helping other agencies prepare for an exit and some of the steps that they can take to get there. But I first have to ask, what do you think were some of the the main learnings out of that story when you go back to it specifically? What was the first thing that kind of you took away from that instance that then impacted the way that you went forward in in the next year and and the years that followed from there?
1: Uh, I think my most my, obviously the most obvious feedback from me was that clearly me and my business partner needs, needs to be on the same page, and that that clearly uh, wasn't the case. So my first lesson would be make sure all of the shareholders actively, you know, in agreement on, on the direction of the business, and if possible, try to get that agreed at the outset when you first come together as a, as a partnership or as a threesome or four, however many directors you've got. Try to get the uh, an understanding of where you're going at the beginning. Try to have a view of of, you know, of what the end result might be, and also maybe a, a rough time time schedule or time frame of what you're looking, you know, to achieve by when. I think when you're starting out as an agency owner, particularly with partners, you're so kind of excited to get to get started that you don't actually have the end in mind. And I think when that that journey that starts, or when one of the, one of the partners starts to think about that that exit or that journey, that's when things can obviously get um, derailed. Because you, you've not had that conversation before. Maybe uh, you haven't had a shareholder agreement in place, which would have been which would be a problem. Fortunately idea. In the UK, we have drag and tag rules on our shares, which means that the majority shareholder holder hold basically can drag along the other shareholders into a sale and they can't object. And fortunately I had that in my agreement. But what we what we didn't do is discuss, you know, where are we going with this? How far are we both going? I guess sometimes you don't know the answer, but at least you can start to facilitate, you know, some options, you know, a guide, some sort of guide where you say, okay, if one of us wants to get off, this is the procedure that we follow.
0: Yeah, you might not know exactly where you're going by by when, but at least you can have that conversation so that you can at least at least get on the same page of, hey, I don't know, hey, I do know, and this is exactly what I'm picturing. Well, okay, I don't know what I exactly want, but I know it's not that right? And you want to have those conversations early and often. And I think that's a really great starting point and a key lesson from your story there of being caught off guard with that investor meeting. As we kind of zoom out, Carl, and look at an agency owner listening to this that is either looking to exit sometime soon or further down the road, you've seen this enough times in both your own journey and the agencies that you consult with. I imagine that you've seen some repeatable steps that you need to take on this journey in order to get to the acquisition event that you're aiming for. If again, that's where you're going by by a certain time or at least estimated, what are some of those major markers for the agency owner who maybe has begun without the end in mind, as you mentioned earlier? What are some of those key markers they should keep in mind to give them kind of a vision for the road ahead? And then we'll get into some of the tactical things of how they can prep accordingly?
1: Yeah, some of the um, I guess some of the key things that, uh, is agreeing you know, with the shareholders you know, that the, you actually want to look for a growth partner or an exit or a merger. Um, so that's the first point. Is say, yeah, uh, is there agreement amongst the, the board that this is where we want? Once you've actually established that and kind of agreed roughly what that time frame is, you then start looking at the business and thinking about what would be a natural strategic partner? What would be, you know, who would be a potential buyer? Start to brainstorm you know, those buyers. What's, you? is it a competitor? Is it a complementary agency? If sometimes it's it's actually a client that wants to buy you uh, or a supplier that wants to buy you. So start thinking about, you know, who might want to buy you. And then um, if you've got the opportunity, look at if have they actually bought anyone before? So, if you've got any history about you know, the acquisitions they've done before, you get, get you get a sense of, of what sort of agency they're looking to buy and what size agency they might buy. You can start benchmarking yourself against those agencies that were bought then, and get, it gives you a sense of okay, that's an attractive agency. Why was it bought? And you can start digging into you know, company house information on their account, on their finances and start to get to follow them um, on social social media and see what what is it about those agencies that were bought by one of your potential buyers. Made them attractive. Um, so that's a really big, sort broad brush picture. Once you kind of got, you started that journey, you're thinking, okay, we're, we're going to look for a growth partner, or, what's a better word? I think then you start looking at the agency itself and what makes it attractive. And that's when you've got to get into the detail of, okay, the numbers. Of course, got to look at. Typically, the last three years of accounts ideally would be on a growth on a growth projection, so that you that you can you can sell a good story. And that of course comes with not only percentage growth anything over 15 or 20 percent growth it starts to get to put you on on the map as a sort of a high a slightly higher growing agency again 15 20 percent net profit is a key number to sort of if you're in that in those sort of numbers it starts to make you look a bit more attractive if you're a high growth agency and that can be way over you know way over 15 20 percent you might be growing at 30 40 percent a buyer might might believes that some of that growth potential could come into their business. And that's why they're interested in in, in buying an agency that's a fast growing one. They might think that you've got some special source that allows you to sort of, you know, to, to know what you're doing and grow quickly.
0: And just on those numbers, Carl, for folks who are listening here, because we've had a lot of agency owners on the show that say, hey, one mistake I've made as an agency owner is not Early on investing in my own financial literacy, understanding the finances of the business. So I just wanted to double back and make sure I heard you correctly for listeners. Were you saying that 15 to 20% year over year growth is something that makes it very appealing as well as that 15 to 20% net profit? Or were you just talking those percentages as related to net profit?
1: Well, they're the key net profit figures. You know, 15 to 20% or above is great. I know the bigger you get the more difficult it is to get those those higher net profit figures uh, I work with agencies that are on you know, maybe thirty percent net profit because they're slightly smaller bigger agencies tend to get to tend to get you know smaller net profit the growth n- number 15 20 percent is kind of a minimum you need to be need to really be growing and, and actually 15 20 percent growth isn't hugely great you know, that that big is 20 plus 20 percent plus would be a, probably be better if you're going to look for a very attractive a more attractive sale, let's suppose that any any business can, can sell, but ideally you know you want to be thinking about the most attractive one is, is to sell at a time when you are when you've gone through a period and growth.
0: Awesome, okay, thank you for doubling back on that. The other thing I know you're, you talk about and advise agency owners on you know kind of what I hear you saying so far is you've got to get agreement with with your partners, then you start to look at potential buyers and then you take stock of your your current state with some of the existing both growth and profitability numbers. And from there, often, is it looking at timing and starting to kind of reverse engineer what your timeline might look like? Or what would you say is kind of the, the fourth step uh, after you've taken these, at least started down the road of these first three that you've advised folks on today?
1: Once you've made the decision to start looking at an exit, firstly, yeah, you get agreement amongst, your, amongst the directors that there's an appetite for doing that. Are you all on the same page for that? Timing-wise, time timing is probably the single most important um, factor in valuation. Because if you if you go into the market when there's lots of buyers, then clearly you're going to get potential a much a much greater potential value. If you go go to market when there's never one or or few buyers, then you're going to get a low. So so, so classic supply demand kicks in. What is the state of the market at the time? Is the market you know is Is there a lot of is it a time where you know borrowing is cheaper? So therefore you, you. you know, buyers can borrow money in order to to you know to buy an agency. So what what is the state of the market at the moment is a real key thing, and that's something again you can't control. You could control going to market at a particular time. you think, say, this is a, we're in a set recession right now. This isn't a good time. So well, let's wait until you know maybe the year of an election because the the incumbent party tries to make the economy as sweet as possible to get right you know, to get re-elected. Often you find that going to market the year of the election is the you know, so next year in both the US and UK is likely to be a good a better year to go to market because there's going to be hopefully better than it what the, well, you know, the, the economy is going to be better than this year. So there's quite a few factors that are, you know, some of them are out of your control, but some of them you can just say okay, they're, they're, this is a good time to go. Let's prepare ourselves to go to market at that point. But they're they're key. Uh, they're key sort of certainly key key factors.
0: That's really good advice. Not something I've heard specifically. I. You know, the, what you were saying there of the, the timing in the market didn't necessarily surprise me, but I think that's a really good tip. Just looking at the bigger factors outside macroeconomic and political factors that could actually play into things that you might think have really nothing to do with your agency. But again, the more financially literate you are and, and aware of those bigger things, then you're likely going to be able to make some better decisions. So Carl, next thing I wanted to, to you up on were some of the key numbers that agency owners should be thinking about tracking to prepare for investor questions. So we talked about some of the big ones, your growth percentage, but definitely your, your net profit. If you're only looking at at growth and you're hitting kind of that minimum threshold that you mentioned earlier, they could take a closer look and just say no. And you say, but wait, 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 look at all this growth. That's not the whole story. What are some of the other questions that investors are going to ask agency owners in in your experience and some of the numbers they're going to want to see so that anyone listening to this can start to reverse engineer, start to track those metrics and prepare for those questions in advance? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that's a great question as well. I think one of the key numbers that they're going to ask and track is how much income do you have from each of your clients? And they're going to be particularly uh, concerned when they get too much income from from one client. If any client is billing way over 20-25% of your income, you've got a massive threat to the stability of the agency. And I'm always uh, surprised to see so many agencies have one, often one or two really major clients. Sometimes 50% of their business is coming from one client. Unfortunately, that actually the numbers might be good, the, the net profit might be good, the growth might be good, but actually it detracts from its from its, from its appeal to a, to an investor if one one client dominates the the income. And I, I have actually heard of um, of a, an agency stopping billing or stopping winning new business from existing clients because of that, and I can see why because uh, some investors actually don't don't actually include those numbers in their valuation because they know this it's it is a huge threat that that client leaves. When a deal's done, then the business is obviously worth considerably less. But that's definitely one of the key key factors.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. One of the things I've heard from Drew McClellan at Agency Management Institute, he calls them guerrilla clients, those that are taking up outsized portion of your ARR and they kind of lead you around by the nose. There's implications with servicing clients and profitability for those sorts of clients. But as you point out here, there's also risk if you are looking for an exit or planning for an acquisition that those pose a threat to you and to investors. So you need to be aware of those. What are some of the others, Carl, that folks listening to this might not be thinking about things that, again, they want to prepare for those investor questions ahead of time, in addition to we've got, okay, growth, We've got profitability. We've got percentage of income, you know, by client and making sure that you don't have 20% or more coming from one. What else can we add to this list for, for people today? It's already a good list going yeah. today.
1: Okay. Well, let's get a few more KPIs out there, shall we? The other one I think is really useful to know. And again, I'm surprised that quite a lot of agencies I, I work with at the outset don't know is uh, what percentage of income do they, do they have by service offering. They really need to know what um ideally what you know, what their what their mix of income is by a service that's really key because it you might find that you' you've got a potential buyer that sees your 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 numbers your new presentation your agency creds, you know um, and thinks actually you're your competitor to a certain service offering offering that they already have and don't actually think that's that's attractive but actually it might it might be a tiny service offering compared to. Compared to the you know, the overall mix of income from the agency, and uh, it might detract from the appeal. Might actually be be more attractive because uh, you know, sometimes competitors like to, to you know to buy by other agencies that have the same service. But often it's you know, at least the, the the agency or the buyer can see where the income is coming from and think, okay, well that would complement our service offering really well. Either be you know make it make our existing offering bigger, or at least you, you know complement it. So that's something really useful to know, to know what, where's the income coming from by service offering. Also useful to know is you know, which of those service offerings is typically the first service offering that a client will buy from an agency. No, normally an agency will have a particular service offering which is easier to buy or quicker or cheaper to buy. And it gives the agency a chance to, to prove itself, to build relationships with the client before the client then you know, buys more often. So again, knowing what your first service offering, your, your lead service offering is that then leads to other other conversations and other work is is a, is a useful byproduct of, of knowing the percentage of income by service offering. Another KPI would be to understand the, the gross margin by client. So, so certain clients, you know, it might be might if you can only measure the you know, the size of the client in terms of income, but you don't measure the, the margin. That gives the you know, the buyer a sort of you know, a less clear view of what the actual situation is in the business. So often you'll find your biggest client is, is your smallest um, margin client because they you know, they push you down on price and over time it might actually be that that is not your perfect client you don't really uh, want to continue that relationship over time because actually it's it's reducing your margin and you might find a one you know, a big client might get five you know as low as five or ten percent margin on it where you've got smaller clients you know three or four times that and actually understanding that mix is really really important to a to a healthy. A healthy agency there is an attractive
0: provider. Exactly. I could not agree with you more, Carl. You know, here at Teamwork.com, we've been investing more into our product, which is highly used by, by agencies to not only manage their client work, but to look at that profitability. And so that's something that we've been trying to continue to build into the product so that our agency customers can look at that profitability, not only by project, but look at the profitability if you're billing on retainer and that sort of reporting is just so, so key. So uh, I love to hear you reiterating the importance of that because I know that we've also been doubling down on trying to enable our customers who are also agencies to be able to actually facilitate that. So we've got a great list of of KPIs, some uh, maybe not heard that often advice of looking at kind of the macroeconomics and political situation when you're looking to buy or when you're looking to try and sell. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, Carl. You mentioned once you've decided, hey, I want to go down this track, I'm looking for a growth partner, I'm looking for an exit, targeting an acquisition. You've talked with your partners about it as we learned from, from your candid story there. And then you start to identify potential buyers. You gave us some tips on where to start of who might those buyers be who have purchased other agencies similar to yours. They might be clients. Any other tips on, where to look for those potential buyers, and I think even more importantly, how to start evaluating them. Because just because you've identified them doesn't mean that they're going to be a good fit for what you're looking for. So talk us through a little bit more there, because I think some agency owners could, oh, we we got some things in line, we maybe have some potential buyers, but there's still some pitfalls ahead if you're not thinking that far ahead, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think buyers can come from, from, anywhere. Obviously they can come from, you know, from, from friends, family members, you know, connections, you know, industry, industry networking events. It can come from anywhere. But I, I think if you're, you know, when you're embarking on this journey, I think firstly is, is to consider where, where you could network to find, you know, potential buyers. So think about you know, the industry we're in, you know, the networking events you can go to, because often those conversations start from uh, uh, over a drink in an, after a networking event or an industry event. And I've got a client that's uh, going through a, a sale at the moment. And he and I went to a network just in the summer and we had a few beers afterwards. And now this particular buyer is, is making the approach. You never really know where they're coming from. But um, I would certainly you know, look at um, you know, look at your, your own connections, look at industry news, who's buying. Also, um, I think, look at all your supplier network, your partner's. Often it's someone, a buyer will come from someone else. It'll come from, from a, um, a buyer, from a partner company that you're, you're supplying to or working with. Also kind of look at your clients, agent, other agencies. You may or may not know who they are. So you can find, after you often find them out by asking your client, what other agencies do you work with? The fact that they are working with your client gives a deferred kind of trust that, yeah, your client trusts them. Your the client trusts you. Therefore you've got a, you've got a good excuse to, to have a conversation. Might be that they are um looking you know, they know who you are because they know you're billing you're billing your your you're the same client. It might be that the, you obviously have contractual services otherwise you wouldn't be working with the same client. Those conversations often lead to partnerships which then often lead to partnerships that go on to to a, you know, a more involved conversation, which might be, okay, let's get let's get closer than a, than a partnership.
0: Hey there, it's Logan with Teamwork.com. I wanted to take a quick timeout from this conversation to ask you just a few questions. Are you an agency leader looking at the year ahead with concerns about AI, inflation, employee turnover, and client retention all at the same time? Are you curious how your peers are managing similar concerns and thinking about the path forward? If so, I've got some good news for you. Teamwork.com recently partnered with Audience Audit to gather responses from over 500 agencies around the globe into a comprehensive research report, the State of Agency Operations 2023 edition. And to make it easy for you as a regular listener of Agency Life, we've linked to it right in the description of this episode. So if you want insights from fellow agency leaders about how they're managing profitability, employee utilization rates, the use of new AI tools and over-servicing clients, check that link in the description of this episode and access the 2023 State of Agency Operations Report today. All right, let's get back to the rest of the conversation with today's guest.
1: Those conversations often lead to partnerships, within then often lead to partnerships that go on to, to a, you know, a more involved conversation, which might be, okay, let's get let's get closer than a, than a partnership.
0: That is a great list. I just want to encourage anybody, hit that back button a couple of times and just start writing down those those potential sources of investors or buyers, as Carl was listing off there. I think, you know, you started with your network, but drilled into some very specific examples that might not have been on people's radar, some of your partners. And I love that last one you touched on, Carl, the other agencies that are working with your client that are just one degree of separation. And as you pointed out there, if they have a complimentary service, it could make a lot of sense And there's already some familiarity potential for a warm intro there. As you've identified some of those, Carl, and you start to approach those folks, what are some common advice that you're giving to to your clients as they're starting to evaluate those potential buyers as they're starting to have those conversations? Could be completely, you know, uncharted waters for agency owners who are thinking about this, going into those conversations for the first time. What are some pieces of advice you give to them? as they're wading into those new waters?
1: Well, I would probably it's gotta start with chemistry. Yeah, you know, ideally you're gonna get a chance to meet the founder of the other, you know, the other agency um in this case. Um if you got good, good chemistry, um that's that's the important thing. Yeah. You know? So find out if, can you get on with these people? Find out if you can, you know, what are their values? They might publish their values so You'll get a sense of what their values are and are and are they values that you that you share. I think if you've got shared values, You've got some chemistry. You've got complementary services. You'll start. That's the foundation of, of a more meaningful conversation. And um, ideally, that could lead to partner conversation. Let's collaborate, which then could be, gives up both parties the opportunity to to work together on a potential you know campaign together. And that then gives parties the the opportunity to sort of uh, scope each other out, see see you know uh, how they work. See what the quality of their work is, and that then lead, often leads to a, or can lead to a to a more detailed conversation. Well, where you, where are you going with your business? What you know, what are your, your hopes and hopes and ambitions for the future? Are you looking to grow? How are you looking to grow? Have you thought about you know taking a partnership to another level where maybe a, that could be a merger and acquisition? So I would definitely you know it's got to be about you know about the chemistry right you know, first. Chemistry first, and then everything
0: else will follow. Such good advice. And I like that tip there of starting with some sort of collaboration, some sort of work or project or campaign or some sort of partnership that you can embark on to see, you know, if you're talking about a merger or acquisition, you could get some false positives on the values alignment and the relationship. And as you pointed out, the chemistry. But if you're doing some work together, it's where you really find out, right? That's where the the rubber can meet the road, as as they say. Well, Carl, before we get into our final two segments, as we always do here on Agency Life, what have we not touched on here? What are maybe some of the things that agency owners who are uh, pursuing an acquisition or some sort of exit, they're looking at your advice and they could still maybe miss the mark in that being some sort of successful exit. What are some, maybe one or two of the pitfalls to look out for? Even if they're following all the advice that, that we shared today, what do you want to kind of shine a light on on the road ahead for them?
1: Okay, yeah, things to think about, which we haven't mentioned, often people is a key one. So that involves not only the having the right staff in the right positions with the right skills, but that also kind of gets into you know culture. Is there a, is there a positive culture in the business? But also, more importantly, is there a, a succession plan? Has, that, has anyone actually kind of thought, okay, if buyers leave, who could put the business? And I think you need to be mindful that as the agency yeah. owner looking to sell, the buyer will think, rightly or wrongly, that as soon as you get your first check, that you might, as, a, as the seller, just leave. You know, you might be, you know, and um, and that is the danger. If the initial check is big enough, then a, there is a danger, a threat that they, the agency owner might just say, thank you. I'm off now. You have it. It's yours now of course in the the in a, in our relationship uh, businesses the people businesses it's incredibly dangerous to um you know to let the the you know the buyer walk or sorry, the seller walk as quickly you know quickly which is why there are typically three or four year earnouts which is that period after after the sale that sound um, that more money gets paid paid to the the seller over time so it's really important to get that succession plan in place make sure that the key the key people have a number two. If it's a creative director that's a shareholder, has he got a really good deputy creative? If uh, you know, if it's a deputy person, do they have a great, a great, you know, great backup? The does the MD have a deputy and work on work on that succession plan? Make sure that there's a team below the owners, Sam, that could worst case, you know, worst case scenario could run the business. If you want a quicker exit, then you you really need to put yourself out of the job as quickly as possible and demonstrate to the buyers. You're not. You're not needed. It all comes down to what you wait, What you're hoping for. A lot of agency owners actually want to continue to work within a bigger organisation and see that as a as a career development opportunity for them. But others don't want to work for anyone else, and that's why they start their own agency and can't think of anything worse than having a boss. So if you're the sort of agency that doesn't want a boss, then you need to minimise your now, which means in terms of time, it, it, you need to then place a. Uh, a succession plan so that you can demonstrate to the buyers that you're not really that necessary to the to the future of the business. Therefore please let please let me go as as soon as possible.
0: It echoes something that you said earlier, beginning with the end in mind. And what are you really looking for? And that can look differently, but make sure you don't get yourself into a situation where you're like, this isn't exactly what I was wanting or that I I I got what I didn't realize I didn't want that sort of thing, right? One more question on this, Carl, because I love that you pointed out the importance of the people. It goes back to the relationship with your partner that we mentioned earlier. You could find the right buyer. The things could be right. You could have all the KPIs in place, but there are the people dynamics, the cultural dynamics that could be a blocker to either having that successful exit or having that exit go well. And so how do you recommend to agency owners going down this path have this conversation with the rest of their team as you're making those plans. What is kind of that balance of of sharing enough and where they're going and being candid without oversharing? I'm sure you've seen it handled a number of different ways, some well, some not. It's always nuanced, but what do you advise people on there, Carl?
1: Yeah, you're right. It it is a delicate, a delicate conversation to have and um and some some people are very good at it and some people you know, are really already not very good at it at all. I think the key, the key thing is to make sure that you know, you, you don't have uh, gossip and whispering in the agency you know, that just gets out of control because they've heard a rumor or, they, or they're concerned, they're worried that they've seen some strange people come in the office and don't know why and all that, those sort of things. It's obviously a lot easier if you, if you haven't, if you've no, got, no longer got an office because you can have those, it you know, could be more discreet. But in an agency where you still got people going to the office, then, uh, at some point, the buyer will want to come and look at the agency and, and sort of, you know, kick the tires and go, "Okay, well, what's going on here?" Um, so I think you do need to prepare for those you know, for the gossip to start. So I think people in advance to say we're looking for, and I like the term "growth partner" rather than a looking to sell because I think when you, if you say looking to sell, the uh, staff can get obviously cold feet or, or get worried that oh, what does that mean? I don't like change. That, that, that am I going to be out of a job? All those, all those kind of rumors can, can start. So by being in control of the conversation, I think is important. Um, and having a, a conversation that, uh, yeah, about looking for a growth partner, which we can you know to help us grow. If we can then start, you can start selling the benefits of growth. You can start saying that the bigger, there's more, there's more opportunities for promotion. There's more opportunities for travel, the more opportunities for, you know, for, for bigger, bigger and better clients. And you see, so you sell sell the benefit of having a bigger bigger operation without saying we are looking to sell. We are looking to basically partner with another another company, whether that's a competitor or a complementary agency. And I think that way you can you can control the narrative. As soon as you lose control of that, and and then your best sometimes your best people will will leave because they think they're they're worried that something's uh, something's happening that's you know. They're not being told about. So I think it's really important to just keep that conversation going. And maybe not too, too soon. Cause if it's just a, you know, it's just something that's a, just an, a seed of an idea, then you don't want, you know, necessarily want people to, to start, you know, worrying. But once you, once you start going down the path of, okay, we're going to do something now and they'll start noticing things. So, you know, they, they'll be looking at the bottom line, looking to increase your, your net profit figures. They'll want to know what, or why are we, why are we looking? Why are we being more detailed? Why are we starting to sort of look at? Uh, you look at our values. Why are we looking at our processes? Why are we why are we you know, revising our our contracts of employment and all these things that you'd have to do to to get your um, due diligence process done more quickly? Uh, you don't want to just suddenly do that and and without any warning to the staff that, you know, that we're we're looking for something we're looking at, there's a potential something in the future that we're looking to do, which would be partner of some
0: sort. Right. I like the way that you put in a growth partner. Selling the benefits of those growth and uh, sharing it not too soon, but once you know that something you, you are at least a, you are at least trying to head towards because last thing you want is you know something I'm picturing like Office Space when uh, you know they're heading around everybody and saying what exactly do you do here? That is not the sort of scenario you want in your agency at any point, whether you're yeah. heading down this acquisition path or not. Well, Carl, you've given some great tips today. And we want to round it out as we always do with our final two segments here on Agency Life. So we're going to hit you with our Fast Five. And then one of my favorite parts, we're going to give you an opportunity to give someone a shout out who has impacted your career as an agency owner yourself and beyond. So let's start with the Fast Five, Carl. If uh, someone gave you $10,000 a month right now to better run your consultancy, where do you think you would use that extra infusion of capital, maybe from a growth partner as we were talking about today?
1: Yeah, uh, but I think based on my current services, I'm I'm almost uh, entirely dedicated to doing what to do one to one mentoring with yeah, agency founders or the or the boards of agencies. And I think to extend extend that, um, I'd like to consider um, spending a budget like that on a, on a, maybe an e learning platform could actually start to share some of that knowledge with a much wider audience.
0: I love that. There's so much power in, I think, even between the one-to-one coaching and uh, the digital products, digital learning, kind of blending those two with some sort of uh, group or cohort-based process. We've talked about uh, that in the past with Bob Ruffalo from Impact in a previous episode and how they as an agency are taking that model to their clients. But I digress. All right, this is the fast five, and I need to hold myself accountable to being actually fast with them. So number two. Carl, what are some of your all-time favorite business books? I think the one
1: that I that I find most practical, and I've actually, you know, I have to admit, I've taken some of those tools myself in my my work is um, is Traction by uh, Gina. I think that's a really practical um, for you know, for helping age, 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 or, any business you know, go through
0: go through growth. I love it. We uh, shared some EOS tools just last week on the show. We'll link to that book. In the show notes, because I don't think we've linked to that before. And if you've heard us talk about EOS multiple times on the show, and you're just like, I don't, I don't know, and you're more of a reader to get in, um, start with traction. Great advice there, Carl. All right, number three, Carl. What's one mistake you've made in running an agency that you'll never forget?
1: I think the one mistake that I won't forget is, um, yeah, not having a conversation with my yeah, partner. Early enough, but in terms of what our, my intentions were, uh, future of the business, I think uh, that obviously proved to you know, to be to be uh, a yeah, and it resulted in a rather sticky sort of, <laughs> sticky end to my relationship with my partner, having to sort of force a, a sale rather than have, you know rather than having to go in
0: collaboration. Yeah, it goes back to I think uh, part of what you illustrated in that opening story, which I appreciate you sharing, Carl. All right number four. What do you think is the hardest part about agency life, Carl?
1: The hardest part of agency life is not switching off. I think, um, and I, maybe that's true for for businesses generally, business owners. But uh, I think the hardest part is is actually switching off and having some time out, uh, for, you know, to to just just you know just relax and, and unwind and and, uh, and and rest and rest because. It's a, it's often a very, a full on, a full on business that you, you know, with no, with no days off. And so I think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing is is to, is to try and find time that you can actually, um, dedicate time to yourself to, you know, to take time out.
0: Yeah. It definitely feels that way. And I think that's why at the hashtag and uh, why we named it this show agency life, because it, it can feel like the business and the work is all consuming. So we like to end on a positive note. Number five of our fast five crawl. What do you think is the best part? About agency life, the other side of that coin,
1: I think that's part of agency life. is is As an agency you owner, know, it's you know you you're in control of your own destiny, and you can work with clients who you, who you want to work with. You can tra- you can make a, you make a positive impact to to clients and hopefully the wider the wider world. But um for me, I think it was it's the variety it's the variety that you, that comes with it. And um, clients, unfortunately, end up you know, often end up in, in working in one in one stream, one sector. Um, whereas agencies can, you know, can play with you know multiple sectors, multiple clients, and, and really the I think for me, variety is the spice of life, and that's really what what got got me into agency rather than client side.
0: Yeah, I love that. All right, Carl. Uh, as we do on every episode, we want to make sure we give you the opportunity to give someone a shout out who's impacted your own career journey. So, who do you want to thank or mention as we round out the conversation today? Well, I think
1: I think. I'll, uh, back in in here you know, in my long career I'd like to shout out the um person that gave me my first job in agency life and uh and that was a guy called Roger Peterson who was based in uh who ran an agency in Boston uh called Boston Peterson and uh they he gave me my first my first job as a as a graduate trainee when I was 21 and uh from that moment on I knew I wanted to work in in agencies so uh and he's still running his an agency even though he's uh he's probably it went into his seventies by now but yeah it gave me a, a really great insight into uh into life and and i yeah i had a fantastic year you know working and living in the states for for him so
0: uh it's brilliant that's fantastic all right carl so for anyone who has gotten a ton of value from our conversation today which I think, is a lot of the audience today because we talked about some very tangible steps if you are going to head down this path, either in the short term or maybe in the long term, towards an acquisition, a merger, partnering with a growth partner, how to find those folks, how to approach them, and how to get yourself ready, both with some of the financial numbers, the KPIs with that list, as well as the, the list of things you should be thinking about and tackling on the people side. Uh, great conversation today. So a People have gotten value from all of this. What's the best way for them to reach out and maybe stay connected with you? Well, I hope
1: there has been some value there for some of your listeners. I think the best way to keep in touch with me would be find me on LinkedIn, Carl Heisman. I think there's only two of us in the world. So uh, you'll, hopefully you'll, you'll see which one uh, which is me. Or you could uh, you look at my website, uh, greatcockconsultancy.com. But yeah, I think LinkedIn is probably the you know,
0: best way to get hold of me. I love it. Well, Carl, thank you for a fantastic conversation enjoyed the, the story that you told at the beginning. And again, the great advice you shared with agencies today. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having Thank you. me. Appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Agency Life, and we hope you've been enjoying each and every episode. If so, you've probably got a friend who'd find the show valuable as well. Sharing a podcast with someone in your network is an easy way to add value and show someone that you're thinking about them. Somebody probably came to mind for you just now. Go ahead, shoot them a text with something like, Hey, I've been listening to Agency Life, and I think you'd like this episode I was just listening to. They'll probably really appreciate it, and hey, we will too. And if you're looking for even more content to support your agency life journey, check out teamwork.com agency life. There you can search through past episodes, get access to the Agency Life newsletter, and find additional video content to support and inspire you as you continue on this crazy roller coaster ride that is agency life.